Well, let's look in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 24. Uh, look in Luke 24. We're going to begin reading in verse 46. I'm going to share a message entitled Compassionate Soul Winning. Uh, Luke chapter 24, uh, beginning in verse 46. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while they, he blessed them, uh, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and uh, were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so, so much for allowing us to be here this morning. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity uh, to sing the songs that we've sung, Lord, and be able to have the fellowship we've enjoyed. But what a privilege it is now to be able to open up the Bible and read from it, and Lord, study it and make some practical applications of the truths that we find in it. And Lord, I pray that uh, we might really gain the heart of God uh, in reference to this matter of soul winning, uh, talking to others about Christ. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful that someone talked to me about being saved. And we can testify today that someone talked to us about being saved. And so, Lord, there's multitudes that we can talk to and lead to Christ. And so I prayed you'd bless the preaching of the Word of God. I would ask, Lord, that if there's someone here this morning that's not sure they're saved, may the Holy Spirit bring conviction upon them that they might believe on Christ and be able to leave knowing they're going to heaven. And Holy Spirit of God, will you bring conviction on us believers uh, that you might impress upon our hearts, Lord, the necessity and the urgency of telling others how to be saved. And Lord, speak to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 48. says, And ye are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. We have a goal. If you look out in the foyer, I put a map up out there of Tom's River. Uh, you'll find that our church, Ocean County Baptist Church, is right in the center of it all. Amen. And uh, there's multitudes of streets and houses and people all around us uh, that I believe that God has given us the responsibility uh, to speak to about Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do, we're going to start the going soul winning uh, right here next to our neighborhood. Right here, we're going to start right at the church and we're going to work our way out. And we finish up a street, we're going to put the red marker on that street so we can see how we're progressing and spreading out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, people need to be saved. Uh, they need to hear the message of salvation. And for sure, the unsaved heathen are not going to tell them how to go to heaven. And so it's the responsibility of every Christian to share our faith with others that people might be able to be saved and know that they're going to heaven. Uh, Dr. Malone, I read this several years ago. Dr. Malone had uh, listed five reasons why he said this, five reasons why I believe God wants everyone saved. 
And uh, you deal with all kinds of peoples, all kinds of religions, all kinds of backgrounds. You could deal with Calvinistic theology and all this, that, and the other. Uh, but I just see in the Bible, God's not willing that any should perish. And I appreciate what he penned many, many years ago in reference to five reasons why uh, God wants everyone saved. Uh, first of all, he said this, that we are to pray for everyone. And certainly 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And so if God wants uh, certain ones saved and certain ones lost, why does he command us to pray for all men? And uh, God is not willing that any should perish. And so we ought to make it a priority in our prayer life then we're going to pray for people who are lost that they might hear the gospel and they might get saved. Uh, he went on to say, the second point is, that Christ gave himself a ransom for all. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6 says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Uh, Jesus didn't just die for the Jew. He didn't just die for America. He died for everybody. He offered himself as the perfect sacrifice that would redeem all mankind from all of their sins. And so if Jesus died to ransom all individuals, then certainly that means we ought to have a heart of compassion and a desire to try to tell everyone we can come in contact with about who Jesus Christ is. So Christ gave himself as a ransom for all. Number three, he said this, the teaching of the scripture. You know, the Word of God teaches us that uh, Jesus died for the sinner, and the Word of God teaches us that God wants everyone saved. And 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if the Scriptures so outline for us and reveal to us that God is not willing that any should perish, why should we be satisfied with people dying and going to hell? If the Bible teaches us that we are to fulfill God's great commission of telling others how to be saved because he does not long for them to be lost and go to hell, then what right or what, uh, what attitude do we have to say, well, I'm just going to refuse to tell people about who Jesus Christ is? So the teaching of Scripture shows us that he wants everyone saved. Number four, he said this, uh, Jesus has never refused anyone. In uh, John chapter 6 and verse 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I'm thankful when I felt the conviction of God about my condition being lost and having no hope. Then when I cried out to Jesus, he didn't look at me and say, Well, you are an alcoholic, so I don't want you. I'm glad when I cried out to God in a spirit of conviction because I knew I needed to be right with God to have eternal life. I'm glad that he didn't reject me, but rather he received me. And you read through the scriptures, through the gospels, you see all the uh, positions of Christ dealing with uh, multitudes of people and he never rejected any of them. And so uh, Jesus has never refused anyone. And then number five, he said this, because of the gift of his son. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for his all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
And so Jesus came into this world, the Son of God, his Father sent him into this world for the principle of dying for us that we might be saved. And if God was to give such a precious gift that he gave his only begotten Son, certainly doesn't it stand to reason that we ought to be uh, connected with the reality of telling other people how to be saved? One of the great neglected disciplines in the Christian life and in ministries is this matter of soul winning. And uh, we, can, we can talk about it. Uh, we can say we ought to do it. But until we get out on the street and do it, uh, we're neglectful in our Christian life. Uh, every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us have an experience to share. Every one of us that have been saved and born again have hope to give to a people and a nation of people who have no hope. And so this matter of soul winning, it should be prayed over, we should be prepared for it, and we should practice it. And, uh, and that's whether we're pulling into the gas station to get gas, whether we're in a restaurant eating, whether we're walking down the street knocking on doors, whether we're on a fishing boat going fishing or whatever it may be, uh, we need to uh, uh, lead people to Christ and share the gospel. I remember years ago, this was a long time ago, probably about 20, 25 years ago, I was on a headboat fishing and uh, had a fellow went with me and I was focused on fishing. And the next thing you know, he was up on the top rail with a, some guy he was witnessing to. And he leaned over the rail. He said, hey, preacher, you got to come up here. This guy wants to get saved. I'm like, man, I'm fishing for a fish. And I just felt that Jesus was calling me, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And I went up there, and I actually led the fellow to the Lord. And it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. We ought to be talking about Jesus Christ, the greatest person, the greatest experience that we have as individuals is that Jesus Christ loved us and died for us and he saved our wretched soul. So it means by, the means by which the gospel is preached to the lost and the dying world is you and I being soul winners. Soul winning is just simply taking our spiritual life and sharing it with someone else so that they might truly have a spiritual life. That's all it is. You don't have to make it complicated. It's just a matter of taking who you are, what you experience in Christ, and sharing it with someone else. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so it's not some uh, thing that is unique. It's just something that is a reality and a part of life. We just share our faith. Oftentimes we'll say, well, you really shouldn't really condemn people's religions. We're not condemning anybody's religion. We're telling them about hope. That's in, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we believe, we really believe the scriptures is true. Then there's only one way to heaven. That's through faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's the only way to heaven, why would we be content and letting people to be caught up in a religious system that teaches other means of coming to God. And so we must take the things that we've seen, things that we've heard, things that we have experienced, and share them with others that they might be saved. Why? Because Jesus said, ye are witnesses of these things. You can't escape that. Ye are witnesses of these things. I think over the years, all, all this time, 
since I've been saved, I've had Mormons knock on my door. I've had Jehovah Witnesses knock on my door. But I have never had one Baptist knock on my door. No matter where I live. When I was in Bible college in Michigan, whether I was starting the church in Oakhurst, whether I was pastoring down in Dividing Creek, and since I've been here, I have never had one Baptist knock on my door. That's a shame. I, I've, never had, I've never had one person sit down and try to lead me to Christ in a restaurant. That's a shame. It is a shame when you think about how many people claim to be born-again Christians, but we never take the opportunity or spend the time with someone to share with them who we believe in and how we've trusted Christ and, and, and how important it is for them to listen to the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about everything else. We'll talk about politics. I'll tell you, everybody's all caught up in the politics. I get caught up in it too, and I get aggravated with everything that's going on. I got to turn the thing off. I've never seen such stupidity in all my life. Everybody claiming to have the answer for the problems in America that are nothing more than principles and techniques to destroy America. And the, the thing that's going to save America is America's got to repent and turn back to God and start living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's going to require of believers to have a conviction that the answer or the hope for America is through the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Compassionate soul winning. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion on the masses of people. Why? Because he said they were scattered about as sheep having no shepherd. And you look at the world, they're groping in darkness. They're wandering from place to place. They're caught up in one thing after another just to try to find some satisfaction and some hope. And the reality is there is no hope apart from having faith in Jesus Christ. Ye are witnesses of these things, a compassionate soul winning. First of all, I see in our chapter here in Luke 24, a message that is proclaimed. Notice in verse 47, it says, And that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So there's the message that is to be proclaimed. The message that we will share with people is they have to repent. And they have to repent of their sins so that their sins could be removed. And uh, whether we're in our hometown or whether we're overseas, the message does not change. The message is the same. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ provides a way for man to be saved. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's a simple message to proclaim. That Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again so that you might be saved. The message proclaimed. Jack Heil said this. Soul winning is not a method. It's a command. We are supposed to go soul winning and do soul winning if our churches grow or if our churches decrease in attendance. 
oftentimes the means of evaluating whether we are to be involved in soul winning or not is based on, well, what's the result? Are we growing? Are we increasing? Are we declining? Uh, what, what We try to do a demographic evaluation and study of our church. Wait a minute. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But he did say that we were to go into every nation and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the message that is being be proclaimed is to be proclaimed irregardless of what the outcome may be. I don't know about you. I've talked to a lot of people about Christ and try to lead people to Christ, and they don't get saved. So I say, well, okay, well, the people aren't going to get saved, so I need to just stop talking to people about the Lord. It doesn't matter where people get saved. They don't get saved. It doesn't matter where the church grows or it doesn't grow. God has given us a message to proclaim, and it's repentance for the remissions of our sins. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, the scriptures are not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. I think in, in 2019, we've become such an information overload people in the world that we live in that we think it's spiritual by getting more and more information, gaining more and more knowledge, when in reality, God has so designed for us to understand the scriptures that it might change our lives. If a man is lost, he's on his way to hell, the only thing that will change that direction is what the word of God says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So sin condemns people to hell. We need to remember that. Anyone who is caught in their sin, who has never been forgiven, never been cleansed, is condemned to hell. Well, what about, their, what about a person that's living on an island that never heard about Jesus? He's born in sin. He's going to die. He's condemned. He's going to burn in hell. Oh, well, what about people there? You know, there are some good people in the world. They do nice things. They do humanitarian types of things. They're just nice people. They do all kinds. They're going to die, and they're going to burn in hell. Well, I don't like that message. Well, it's not my message. It's the message of what Christ had revealed, what the Word of God reveals in reverence to the condition of man, and it's because of sin. Sin condemns people to hell. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You can't escape the reality that because of man's sin, there is a hell that is a place of torment and judgment on man's sin. In Luke chapter 16, in verse 22, says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. What a wonderful statement that is made. But then it says, The rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. When man closes his eyes in death in this world, he opens his eyes in eternity, either in heaven or in hell. And it's because of man's sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were on our way to hell, but Christ died for us on Calvary that we might be saved. The message that we proclaim is a message of truth that man's sins 
can be delivered and washed clean and released from the torments or the possibility of spending eternity in hell. An old preacher years ago used to say, I'm going to preach my Tomcat sermon. And people ask, what do you mean you're going to preach your Tomcat sermon? He said, I'm going to scratch at everything. <laughs> People used to tell him, he said, your preaching rubs the fur the wrong way. And he'd respond, he said, then turn the cat around, amen. We get upset at the proclamation of the message of what the Bible says. People get upset when you proclaim the truths of what the word of God says. But the reality is God is right and you're wrong. And we have the message that is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so we need to have compassion enough to respond to people and deal with people and the reality of where they are. If they are lost, they've never trusted Christ, they're just as much in hell now as they will be in the future. Because without Christ, there is no escape for them right now. And they are condemned for all eternity. Your parents, your friends, your children, your co-workers. Whoever it is that has not trusted Christ as their Savior are still in their sin. And because they're still in their sin, they're going to face the eternity in hell. God doesn't do that. That's the sin that does that. God provides a way for the sin to be cleansed and for a way for the sin to be released. The message is very clear. Repent for the remissions of sin. And if the sins are remitted of man, now he's no longer condemned to hell. Sin is a horrible thing. It condemns people to hell. Not only that, but sin destroys people's lives. It's alarming. It is alarming to me how many people's lives are just twisted and tormented and ripped apart. And it's because of sin they allow to come in their life. First John chapter 3 and verse 7. We just kind of went over this verse on Wednesday night. But First John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. In other words, you are righteous because of what Christ is. Because Christ is in you, you receive the righteousness of Christ. And so when someone lives their life, they conduct lives that are righteous, not because they're becoming good people, but because of the fact the righteousness of Christ is already in us. Then in verse 8 he says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. All this pornography, all this cursing, all this drinking, all this smoking, all this gross immorality and entertainment, all, all this stuff is sin and it's of the devil of the devil well you don't well you know you don't just you don't understand we i'm just enjoying my life no you're destroying your life 
Marriages end up in divorce. Children end up abused. Uh, churches are fall, falling apart. And it's because of sin that destroys people's lives. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, the message that we have to proclaim is very simple. The devil destroys everything that God has created, but Jesus Christ came into this world to restore everything that the devil destroyed. And the only way you can escape the destruction of the devil is through faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance is for the remissions of your sins. So a message proclaimed, sin condemns people to hell, sin destroys people's lives. Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. We look at the world and we say, man, it's just getting hard to live anymore. You got that right. It's getting hard to live because of the transgressions of man. It's getting hard to live. I don't know where our country is going to be 10 years from now. Sin abounds. Transgressions increase. How in the world do you expect to have something positive happen in an environment like that? The only way to turn the tide is to proclaim the good news. That people's lives are destroyed because of sin, but God has hope for us and deliverance and forgiveness and cleansing through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, sin is hated of God. Turn back there to Proverbs chapter 6. I just lined a few verses up in Proverbs so you can just kind of go along. I figured at this point you'll be ready to fall asleep, so I'll make you open your Bible up. Proverbs chapter 6. Sin is hated by God. Make no bones about that. There is not one sin that man commits that God is pleased with. Proverbs chapter 6. In verse 16, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination in him. Here they are, proud look, lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. You say, what does man have to repent of? There's six things right there. God hates these things in people's lives. Look over in Proverbs chapter 11. We're in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. In other words, crookedness in business. Ripping off people. Uh, God says it's an abomination. And Proverbs 11 and verse 20 says, They that are of a forward heart are an abomination to the Lord. Forward means corrupt or perverse. A person who have a perverse heart, a corrupt heart, are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8. Proverbs 15 and 8. says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. False religion, false means of worship, 
uh, whether it be literal sacrifice or whether it be you know, a, a hypothetical type of sacrifice, anything that violates the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 15. Proverbs 17, 15. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. So you say, well, you know, you just got to understand where they're coming from. You just got to understand the environment in which they were raised. Uh, we just got to show kindness and love to them. Whoa, no, they need the forgiveness of God. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse 23. This will be the last one. We'll turn back to our text. Divers' weights are an abomination to the Lord, and a false balance is not good. You can go on and on and on and on and on through the scriptures and find over and over and over again that sin is hated of God. And it's hated of God because of the fact that it destroys people's lives and it condemns people to hell. And they don't have to be condemned to hell. They don't have to have their life destroyed because Jesus Christ came in this world. And we have that message to proclaim. So we have a message proclaimed. In verse 48 of our text, we see a messenger position. It says in verse 48, And ye are witnesses of these things. D.L. Moody said this, The monument I want after I am dead is a monument with two legs going around the world. A saved sinner telling about the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's all we're talking about. Compassionate soul winning. If you're saved, why, why wouldn't you even care about why wouldn't you care about talking to somebody about Christ? It's an immediate call. In Matthew 4, when Jesus came to his disciples, uh, he called them to follow him, that he would make them fishers of men, and they would immediately followed him. There was no hesitation. After this message is done and we leave here, you ought to take some tracks with you immediately and start sharing them with people when you walk out the door. It's an immediate response. It's an immediate call. It's an important call. Jesus would come and see oh, um, oh, um, uh, um, oh, man, the tax collector. I lost his name. Amen. Matthew, right? Is that right? Amen. Okay. Just lost it. Even it was there, and it ran out of my brain that quick. Sometimes I got to catch stuff as it's going by, you know. And it was an important call. He had an important job and a great responsibility. But wait a minute. When Jesus called him, he walked away from it and fulfilled it. It was an impressive call. In other words, the call of God with a message to share and a reason to respond. Uh, impressed the reality that there was a more important response to fulfill. Jesus literally told the man who told him, he said, uh, let me uh, bury my father. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. He said, it's more important for you to come along and preach the gospel. It's more important for you to tell others about Christ. And it's more important for you uh, to uh, impress people with the reality they need to be saved. So it was an impressive call. It was an individual call. John 15 says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's on an individual basis. That's a one-on-one -on -one basis. Ye have not chosen me, 
but I've chosen you and ordained you. In other words, gave you the authority to go and bring forth fruit. And so it's an individual call. God has called each one of us to reach out to others that they might save. It was an integrated call. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, Paul said to the weak, became I as weak that I might gain the weak. He said, I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He didn't say, say he's going to save everybody, but he integrated the message that God had given him for everybody. And you might not be able to lead every person to the Lord that you talk to, but you certainly can talk to every person about Jesus Christ. And so we see it's a message proclaimed. There's a messenger position. And then there's a method that's empowered. Empowered. Dr. Jack Heil said this years ago. Uh, there is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by old-fashioned preaching. I believe that. I believed that when he said that years ago. I heard him say that in a conference. I, I believe that when I heard him say it, and I believe it today. There is nothing more life-changing and transforming in reference to what America needs than just old-fashioned preaching of the Word of God. And that means whether it's in the pulpit or whether it's out on the street or whether it's on your job or whether it's in your community, your neighborhood, there is nothing that's more life-changing and impacting in the world that we live in than preaching and proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. So the method empowered. Notice it's based on the promise of God. In our text verse here, in verse 49, he says, and behold, I send the promise of my father. You know, Jesus had promised that we would see, receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And we shall be witnesses. The promise of the father was that he would send the comforter. That he might abide with us forever. The promise of, the of God. The presence of God. He says in verse 49, I'll send the promise of my father upon you. The presence of God, that God is ever with us. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, people say, well, I can't go out so I'm afraid to talk to people or whatever. I mean, what if somebody gets upset with me? God has not abandoned you. God is with you wherever you go, and he'll strengthen you and enable you to share the message that he has given. So he, there's the promise of God. There's the presence of God. There's the pondering on God in verse 49. He says, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, as they were to go out and fulfill the great commission, uh, Jesus wanted them to sit down and think about who their God was. Sit down and ponder and meditate on the reality of God's power, his strength, his message, his commands, his presence in our life. To wonder and meditate upon the reality of who God, who is it that we're living for? Everything you live for in this world is going to be gone. It's going to pass away. But God is eternal. And so not only promise and the presence and the pondering, but the power of God. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power on high. 
I'm afraid oftentimes many too many people are just sitting around waiting for the power to come and uh, the power is already available and it's already here and we just need to go out and tell somebody about Christ and let the power of God flow through us. I can guarantee you this, the power of God that arrests upon you will protect you and enable you to stand against all the wiles of the devil. I have stood in front of people who were demon-possessed and that were in a rage and were out of control and they had to back down. I'll tell you, I've been cursed out and yelled at and yet there's a, you go out soul winning and you sit down and talk with someone and then they get saved and their life is changed. Uh, because we go in the power of God. We rest in the reality that God does not command us to do something that he does not equip us for and strengthen us for. And so we're to have a compassionate soul winning. Charles Spurgeon said this. It'll be on three slides. I'll kind of read it through and, and let uh, April have time to click on to the next one. But I thought this was great. He said, the gospel is preached in the ears of all men. It only comes with power to some. The power that is in the gospel does not lie in the eloquence of the preacher. Otherwise, men would be converters of souls. Nor does it lie in the preacher's learning. Otherwise, it would consist of the wisdom of men. We might preach till our tongues rotten, till our, we should exhaust our lungs and die. But never a soul would be converted unless there were mysterious power going with it. The Holy Ghost changing the will of man. Oh, sirs, we might as well preach to stone walls as preach to humanity unless the Holy Ghost be with the word and to give the power to convert the soul. We're not talking about doing something in man's strength. We're not talking about some manip manipulative program that's instituted in the church. We're just talking, we're talking about born again Christians who have the compassion of God on their hearts to realize that we have an obligation and responsibility to be able to share the good news that people can be saved. And Zechariah chapter 4 and 6 says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We're talking about getting in touch with an almighty God and living our life in the reality of who he is. Compassionate soul winning. In the spring, in the spring, we're not going to the men and women's prayer advances. We're going to stay here. And my expectation is that a multitude of people in our church who never go to prayer advances will be here for prayer. Because there is something that we need is prayer, praying, pursuing, seeking believers in Christ that are longing for the power of God to manifest itself upon them. Because we have a world that we are living in that is on its way to hell, and the only way that we can deliver it is through the power of God Almighty. All we can set a map up out there, and we can go out and knock on doors, and we can make an effort to be able to go to different places and whatever it may be, do street preaching or whatever, but I'm gonna tell you, apart from the power of God, it's no good 
apart from the move and the conviction of God, it'll accomplish nothing. So we must respond to the command of Christ, the revelation of God, that ye are witnesses of these things. And so we need to have compassion enough to tell someone else how they can be delivered from hell. And I'm going to tell you, it'll make a difference in your community. It'll make a difference in your home. Start praying, pursuing God, believing God, and watching family members get saved. It'll make a difference in your home. It'll make a difference in the church. If we'll allow ourselves to be moved by the grace of God and the power of God to have compassion on people who are lost. You're going to, run, you're going to meet somebody today. You're going to talk to somebody today who's not saved. You're going to do business with somebody today, whether it's in a restaurant or a gas station or whatever. You're going to, you're going to be in contact with somebody today that is lost without hope on their way to hell. Are you going to be a witness of these things? Are you have concerned enough to be compassionate enough to talk to somebody about these things? Jesus gave the commission and he gave the power to fulfill the commission. You're witnesses unto me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together today. We have a tremendous responsibility to speak to others about Christ. I pray that you would help us, Lord. Uh, have eyes that are open and a heart that is tender uh, to the plight of man. And Lord, that we might take the good news and share it with someone else. It might be just inviting someone out to church. It may be just sharing a prayer request with them. Or it may just be reading a portion of scripture. Whatever it is, Lord, give us that opportunity and make us aware of that opportunity that we might show the love of God. If there's someone here this morning who's not saved, Lord, will you touch them that they might come to Christ, that they might be saved. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's